one, two, five, nine. Father, preacher, servant, leader, rector, reverend, deacon, elder, what the hell? What do you want to do for the minisode? You probably talk about some young rock. I am reading, I'm I'm going back, I mentioned this is a little while ago, that I, I read John Caputo sometimes. Yes, but who is that? He's a radical theologian. He does like um, post-Death of God stuff and um, is, is actually kind of interesting. I've, I, I like the way he writes. I'm also sometimes frustrated by the way he writes, but I'm, I'm back to reading him because I'm reading about uh, uh, what's called theopoetics, mm-hmm. which is this kind of interesting movement in generally Christian theology where uh, like writers and theologians and and folks uh, sort of attempt to do theology uh, maybe starting with like, like really deep dives into human experience. And so like, it's sort of, we might, we might say it's theology from a totally different angle. So if like theology has to do with like, ology like with the study of or with a word about god or or whatever theopoetics is more like theopoesis and so this this idea of of making and creativity so it's not really that we're like making god necessarily but like you know what what the way in which we do god talk and and aesthetics and experience and stuff like that as sort of an important starting point with which we talk about an experience and and do god if you will hmm. and uh caputo is one of those folks who is into interested in theopoetics and and sort of presents the presents theopoetics as a sort of alternative to metaphysics okay. um you know because he because caputo is not really interested in like thinking through you know like grand metaphysical schemes of the world and God's relationship to the world. And instead Caputo wants to talk about um, God as a weakness and, okay. and God as the weak force. And, and so sometimes Caputo will, will say that God does not exist, but that God insists, hmm. which is interesting for a few reasons. One, Actually, most like Neoplatonic like metaphysicians will also say that God doesn't exist. Um, so Caputo's not like totally totally off there. He just comes about it in different ways because only beings exist, and God is not a being. God is sort of beyond existence in an important way. But uh, but Caputo wants to say when when he says that God insists. Um, there's this sense for Caputo in which um, what the unconditioned is, like he still wants to say God is the unconditioned. What the unconditioned is, is a call, a, a, a lure, a, a, um, a cry, um, stuff like that. And so is God real? Well, Caputo would say, might say, well, maybe, maybe if we listen, God can be real. Hmm. Um, maybe if we listen to the insistence of God, 
um, perhaps God can be real. And Caputo, um, you know, comes to that through different sort of philosophical think thinking, but like the theopoetic element in Caputo uh, sort of is rooted in a lot of his sort of deep and wide readings of the New Testament. Because for Caputo, he just sort of sees the weak, this language of the weakness of God and the insistence of God and stuff like that as being um, fundamental to his reading of the Gospels and Paul. Okay. Uh, where Paul talks about, you know, the weakness of God and, 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 you know, Caputo talks about Jesus as, as enacting a theopoesis of the kingdom of God. Where, where if theopoesis is God-making or God-creating, then we can say, or Caputo might say, that Jesus does theopoetics when, when Jesus do, uh, speaks of and enacts the kingdom of God. Hmm. And, so, and so that's sort of Caputo's kind of non-metaphysical, metaphysical way of, of talking about like, you know, Christ inaugurating the kingdom of God or the already but not yetness of uh that we see in Paul. You know, there's where where is the kingdom? Well, the kingdom isn't here, you know, unless you hear its call. If you hear its call, if you hear its insistence and respond to it, it's chirotic move, right? Like Caputo really likes Tillich in, in this way. Like uh, the Jesus, we might say, hears the call of God's kingdom and theopoetically enacts the kingdom, makes the kingdom on earth by enacting and listening to its call. And so another thing he says is this is a theology of perhaps. Hmm. Now, I'm reading this because I, I think that theopoetics goes hand in hand with the stuff I'm thinking about when it comes to sanctification. Mm -hmm. um, that's really where this is coming from. It's very practical. Like I actually don't hate metaphysics. You know, I, I like right. it. I like metaphysics. I think it's fun. Um, but, but I, but I do think that metaphysics does not create piety and sanctification very well. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think theopoetics might, you know, this, this idea that we are, attentive to our bodies and the world and and our desiring caputo sometimes says that too you know like um god is is what makes desiring god possible um, hmm. Hmm. um and, and so desire is caputo uses the language of the weak force um, and for Caputo, desire is an inherently weak force. Desire cannot do something to us. It cannot enact upon us. It can't force us. It can't, it can't, it, it doesn't have the dazzling power of empire, right? Um, desire, desire is powerless, but it's, but it's also uh, in some ways the only unconditioned powerful thing. You know, hmm. desire has the ability, if we listen to it, to draw us into th to things that we've never done before. You know what I mean? And so, like, for Caputo, things like desire or justice or love, he's really into justice. 
these are the unconditioned and these are this is this is the 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 names that we have for god and god like justice is weak justice doesn't force anything upon us we actually the only way justice does stuff is if we give in to the call of justice but for Capuccio, that's that's another way of talking about God. I find all that actually rather rather interesting, but but I also think it's it that kind of logic is like inherent in the logic of like holy the holy life, right? Or like mm-hmm. the sanctified life. Like we can't conceive of it would be weird to think of sanctification as something that um, happens to us via power right like like suddenly through through the enacting of of like imperial power we are now sanctified that would be um i don't know maybe incorrect maybe that wouldn't be holy light the holy life but a holy life could be theopoetically made in our response to calls and in our response to insistence and, and things like that. Um, the, the, the widow demanding justice, the widow demanding justice doesn't have power in the same way that the judge does. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But in another sense, the widow has uh, a certain kind of weak power in her uh, annoying insistence. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and the trick is, you know, and Caputo says this, the trick is, this is why it's called a theology of perhaps. Is there a God? Well, there could be a God if we listen. You know, if, hmm. if, if we listen now, am I prepared to go down that road with Caputo? Probably not. I, I happen to like, you know, things like the Trinity and, and stuff like that. But I do think that like the kind of theopoetic logic makes sense to me. Uh, particularly if we think back to, this is what I've been thinking about as well, to you and my conversation about McGill's essay and mm-hmm. how like sort of moral choice is is kind of impossible under the demonic powers and instead maybe you know mcgill calls for for the cultivation of certain like virtues like courage and resiliency i i think that theopoetics and insistence stuff goes hand in hand with that pretty well yeah that that theopoetically we are we are um not only forming these virtues, but like theopoetics doesn't, um, oh, I don't know. There's not a one-to-one ratio between theopoetic living and like following like, like a strict sense of like moral path, right? Acts of piety, acts of mercy, all those are good, but like a theopoetic life maybe comes about them in very different ways, you know? Why do we love people? Well, God told us to. Well, Caputo would be like, no, God didn't. You know, that's not how it works. Like, 
we we craft um love for the other love for the other comes upon us by its insistence and we can choose to not we can choose to say no you know, we can choose to be like no i ignore that and Caputo would be like yeah we have that power um and then maybe when we choose to do that maybe god really is dead hmm. maybe because for Caputo, the unconditioned is always weak. It's always a call. And so, but at the same time, it's also always there. That's one of the reasons why I prefer Caputo over process thought, which I've been also doing a lot of reading of because a lot of process people see what they do as theopoetics. Like in the theopoetic world, like Catherine Keller and some other process people really see themselves as a part of this sort of theopoetic move. And, and I prefer Caputo to some of that because Caputo still has this sense of, of God's kind of God's unconditionedness. You know, God is God, even apart from creation or apart from anything else. God doesn't really change necessarily, but the logic of being unconditioned, Caputo would say, isn't a logic of super eminence. It's not a logic of power. It's actually, it's actually a logic of weakness. The truly unconditioned is, is not raw power. It's, it's actually possibility. It's, um, it's, it's a, a calling, an insistence, an event, say, perhaps, a maybe. Um, I kind of like that. I do too. So the poesis in in the theopoetics is not poetic, but like the Greek word for making. Yeah, like like po it doesn't mean that theopoetics doesn't include like poetry, you know. It, right. But but it's but it's a, a it's a collection of things. It's not just theopoetics. Isn't just um, doing theology prettily, <laughs> you know. It's, right. It's it's there's more to it. It's turning to um, deep bodily longing, or turning to um, um, the stuff we do in our day to day lives, um, or turning to things we make, right? Like poems or fiction or literature, or myth or whatever. Turning to these things as a source of theological insight not only sources of theological insight, but sources of, of divine making, you know, in which, um, not in which we make God. That's not what, that's not really what they're saying, but in which we encounter the stuff that God makes. Mm. Uh, whether that's making our own lives or making the world around us or, or in the case of Caputo, you know, the insistent calling for, the messiah or for justice or love or whatever okay i kind of like it uh, in particular like 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 i said in particular i'm thinking about this through the lens of sanctification right like okay well you know may maybe this is an approach that you can advocate like doesn't mean you get rid of standard theology. Theopoetics people, by and large, aren't saying you get rid of standard theology. They're just saying that theopoetics is this is this element to God talk that um, 
Czechs theology hmm. from uh, sort of sort of becoming a master discourse, um, mm-hmm. which I think makes sense. I think yeah, I mean, kind of the framing of it, it sounds like some. I oh, it sounds very womanist to me. Um, sure. Or that like womanist scholars have done kind of work in this area without it being put into this the discipline this way. But yeah, and, and in that way, there's something about it that rings really true. Um, that goes to the like, oh, the the kind of folk religion aspect of religion, like the way that we all live out our our religion and our beliefs on a day to day basis, mm-hmm. and and the different ways that that can evidence itself. Like I, yeah, there's something here that kind of brings in a lot of stuff holistically. I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to chew on it, it I, again. Like I'm really, like I'm captivated by the idea that, like, that choice is essential. That, like, even going back to like the story of the man and the woman in the garden, like, choice is is the key thing there. Like mm-hmm. the woman always had the choice of not eating the fruit. The woman always had the choice of going to God instead of listening to the serpent. Like that this planting the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden is like this, this ripe opportunity for choice. And then throughout the rest of our lives, we have the choice of following this or following that or laying dead our lives, etc. And that like, that that is kind of the key thing in God too, that it's, um, um, that it's a calling or, um, it, but it's not, it's it's like that God is not uh, like fundamentally in God's self. Creation was a choice. What creation chooses to do is still a choice. Like there's something in me that really likes that really likes being grounded in that. It doesn't offer, a lot of hope when it comes to theodicy because <laughs> then it's just sure well people chose to do evil things <sighs> but then there's things like you know like earthquakes that are not our choice there are some cases in which like we are intensifying them but but before we started fracking earthquakes were not our our fault yeah it doesn't have it doesn't help me deal with natural evil but it helps a lot of other stuff well and and part of now caputo is just one person in theopoetics like caputo right. wouldn't identify himself as a christian necessarily oh. like he would i not maybe maybe he would I, I i'm not entirely sure but but um caputo certainly doesn't like go to church you know he's mm. he's he's a professor he's a professor of philosophy or was he's em- emeritus now but like emeritus emeritus right sorry thank you no, um, I just didn't. I genuinely didn't know what what the right one was. Sorry, emeritus is probably correct, but like, but like, there are other like you know more like confessionally Christian people who are doing theopoesis or theopoetics in 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 certain other ways. Caputo just does this kind of does it within this sort of radical theological framework. What what they all have in common though, and what I really want to get across though is because the starting place for theopoetic for theopoetics is sort of in the kind of the mystery of the of like finitude or the mystery of embodied existence that's sort of where it starts Mm -hmm. these things like natural evil 
I think that theopoetic folks would have a hard time like wanting to place that in a system. Ah. You know, they, they would, they would want to talk about, yeah, like this is, this is sort of the mystery of finite existence is, Mm. is sorrow and joy and pain and anguish and pleasure and love and, and all of these things, right? Like, this is sort of the mystery of it. Um, process people like this because process people already don't really think God is creator ex nihilo anyway. Right. And so, right. and so it kind of works out for them. Caputo's understanding of God doesn't really have anything to do with creation. You know, Caputo would see discourse. I'm reading one of Caputo's books right now called The Weakness of God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. You should think about it if you, if you add it to your growing list. But like he, you know, Caputo, Caputo would probably say that that creation language is is imperial language. It's 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 part of the 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 kind of uh, great mistake, the theological mistake of sovereignty and 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 might and power and 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 all of these things that are associated with with that right patriarchy and hierarchy and stuff like that for caputo he would say he would say yeah i mean when when did creation start you know when when does this how does how does all of this come into existence caputo would be like i don't care (laughs) (laughs) you know like for caputo god as 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 insistent or as an event or as these things is is more like what does he say in his book He's the God of rogues and thieves, hmm. you know, the God, the God who, who cannot help, but demand that order become disorder. And, hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, this is not a God of, of arche of beginning or of source. This is a God of anarche. You know, because for Caputo, any language, any discourse, any, any, um, you know, kind of system, political or social or otherwise, that that frames things in terms of order and hierarchy and and whatever, these are divine lies. Like these are, these are what God is not. Um, and instead, God. Uh, is that faintly annoying voice that that insists that the world is not the way it should be. And so any attempt to kind of like Caputo also says he's not against institutions, but but Caputo is all about kind of theopoetically reimagining institutions or things or systems or whatever in ways that are not rooted in any kind of hierarchy or source or or what have you, because God is uh, being the God God is, is, is constantly disrupting them uh, through God's calling of people to disrupt them. Um, hmm. The, the anarchic God. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, on one hand, um, yes, sure. Cool. <laughs> yeah. on, the, on the other hand, well, I, I'm not entirely sure what to do with that. 
you know, like, yeah, okay. I got you, John Caputo. Like, and I think that there's something true. Like, I think there's something true about that from a Christian theological perspective as well. And Caputo certainly thinks that as well. Um, every other line is a biblical verse in Caputo's work. And it's, hmm. even if it's done in ways that people would, would, would some, some people would find bothersome because he seems to be using verses in ways that maybe they weren't intended to. But like, I think it's, I think it's interesting and cool and good, but I'm, like I said, I'm not always sure what to, what to do with that conception of God. I think I'm informed by that. Like, I think, I think there's something to that, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely an idea that like has the ability to like shake the tree, you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it's something that's going to, that like at this moment is revelatory enough for me to like reorder my entire way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, mm. cause I, like I do, I do follow a fair amount of anarchists on Twitter through my ongoing radicalization via social media. Mm. And I like, there are times that like an anarchist says something that I'm like, yes, this, this is the correct way. This is the way forward. And there are other things they say. And I'm like, oh, wait, this is why I'm not that. This is why I'm not a full on anarchist yet. And, and there's something to the way that you've described what Caputo does that I'm like, this could be, I could use this to re-examine what I think and maybe critique things and shape things. But I don't know that it's something that I would like take to heart but it is interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. I, I think that, like I said, in terms of like the theopoetic side, like uh, I, I have a real sense of what I, where I think that fits into my work and like what I think, mm-hmm. but the, some of the positive statements that Caputo is making, like the, this, like the, this is what I think God is statements. I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. Like, Maybe maybe it works from a from a certain perspective, but but you know if I I don't know I don't know I will say this I think that Caputo Caputo is not well loved among metaphysical theologians. I wonder why. Or, or I wonder why. Or certain forms of metaphysical theologians, but like Catherine Keller, the 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 process the theologian from Drew. Mm-hmm. Who I'll, I talk about sometimes. I've read her work. I actually quite like her work a lot of times. Catherine Keller like writes all these reviews for Caputo's work and just thinks the world of John Caputo. Hmm. She just thinks she just thinks he's so cool and interesting, and and like but like writes writes these reviews in these sort of vaguely like God. If Caputo was twenty years younger, I'd ride him until he couldn't. <laughs> He couldn't see straight. Like, like there's, there's this weird erotic quality to her reviews. She always calls him Jack. You know, they're very, they're very like familiar. You know, she, she gushes over his prose. He's a good writer. That's helpful. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's funny. It's funny. Hmm, but, uh, but anyway. That's uh, stuff that I'm reading right now since I don't really have anything to read uh, right now in general. But I'm hoping, here's my hope, I'm hoping that I'll do a lot of theopoetic stuff and then I can uh, get employed. 
There you go. Oh, he does theopoetics. Oh, <laughs> well, welcome to the fold, sir. Um, <laughs> you're in luck. That's like Ian being the one Bonhoeffer scholar who who focuses on Bonhoeffer's poetry and letters. That's and right. <laughs> God, he he. They make him full professor at Union Theological Seminary with that. He's if Wouldn't only if only he'd do it. If only he he'd bite the bullet. Bite the bullet. That's, that's a good way to end it. All right. Hey, friends, thanks for listening. This has been a mini-sode of What the Hell's a Pastor. We are Spanks Reebok and The Dude. And we will see you next time. What the Hell is a Pastor is a part of the Disruptive Disciples podcast network. Our theme song is written by Joe Schoenwolf, performed by Joe Schoenwolf, Ian Oriola, and Paul Oriola, and produced by Paul Oriola. Email us at wtheckisapastor at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash disruptivedisciples, on Twitter at WTHIAP, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash WTHIAP, where you can get access to Pillow Talk, merch, and some other stuff. Thanks for listening. And remember, friends, Ethan gave me all the money in his wallet. <laughs>